TED Audio Collective. There's a saying you hear a lot in Silicon Valley. Move fast and break things. It's this mantra that a lot of the big tech companies have lived by. Upset the status quo, don't obsess over perfection, but embrace change. When I was working for a world-famous startup, some of the team members and I would quote the famous Jay-Z lyric, difficult takes a day, impossible takes a week. So we built things accordingly. Coming up with an idea during an all-hands meeting on Monday, testing the idea by Wednesday, and talking through a post-mortem by Friday before we rolled the project out across the board. It sounds cute on the surface. Breaking things quickly might be okay for innovation, but less so on the actual people affected by said innovation. Especially when that innovation isn't built to address actual human problems. So should the mantra be, move fast and fix things that will have the greatest positive impact on society? This is TED Tech, and I'm Sherelle Dorsey. There's so much broken in this country and around the globe that tech can genuinely fix. Access to the ballot box, access to power and water or renewable energy, direct access to elected officials or powerful people to make one's voice heard. And here in the U.S., another thing that can be hard to access via decades-old methods is our so-called social safety net. It's been true for a long time, but the emergence of COVID really made clear how difficult it can be for ordinary Americans to access the help they need when they're hit with an unexpected emergency. This was millions of Americans, and not just impoverished people, who needed services and help in what we learned to be a significantly fragile system. In our talk today, Amanda Renteria, CEO of Code for America, points out that her organization was able to turn a bewildering 51-page questionnaire into a less than 15-minute app experience. A fix to that degree sounds like innovation in the right direction. Imagine if companies prioritize using code to streamline access to many of the services that we know are broken. Because code can help us do more than just get a sandwich delivered. Stick around after the talk to hear from the CEO of another company that is using tech to proactively fix what is broken, government bill collection. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as-is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Support for TED Tech comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all-in-one, easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedtech. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedtech. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. 
impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. click, click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Hackers and cybercriminals have always held this kind of special fascination. Obviously, I can't tell you too much about what I do. It's a game. Who's the best hacker? And I was like, well, this is child's play. I'm Dina Temple Raston, and on the Click Here podcast, you'll meet them and the people trying to stop them. We're not afraid of the attack. We're afraid of the creativity and the intelligence of the human being behind it. Click Here, stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. AI machines, satellite, engine ignition, click here, and liftoff. Click here, every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. So, my dad's first lesson to me was, look people in the eye, mija. Make sure people see you, and you see them. He has been a proud janitor, farm worker, shoe shiner, home builder, and small business owner. He has seen the world from so many different lenses, and has lots of stories to tell. But there's one I've never been able to get out of my head. A story of when my dad was a young kid. He and my Theo Mayo knew exactly when the trucks would come in. Under the freeway, just as the sun set, they jumped the fence to get into the dump. And as they waited for the trucks, they'd make bets on who would find the best food. An uneaten apple they could clean, a perfect banana, sometimes a candy bar or a wrap sandwich. And then they'd grab whatever they could find and save the very best to bring home to their even younger brothers and sisters. I hate that story, but I share it because we can't solve what we can't see. In 1936, the image of the migrant mother captured the living conditions in the West, showing lawmakers what people were going through. After it published, the United States government sent 20,000 pounds of food, and that image solidified support for the very first safety net programs in America. Yet still today, more than 37 million Americans are still living in poverty, one in six kids. As a student of economics and a career public servant, I know we've been at this for a long time. But it's my work today that has given me the hope that we can finally end poverty as we know it, and here's why. Right now, there are 80 public benefit programs all across the country intended to provide critical anti-poverty resources. Yet an estimated $60 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year. $60 billion, I believe in large part due to complicated, outdated systems that weren't designed to see the people they serve. I want you to imagine for a moment that you lost your job, and you don't know how you're going to put food on the table, but you hear about this government program that can help. And so you begin the process of applying. The first thing you realize is you can't do it on the only online connection you have, your phone, because the only way to apply online is through a desktop computer. So you head to the community library, you go through screen after screen, answering close to 200 questions, wading through confusing instructions. It feels a little bit like a game of gotcha, except your benefits are at risk. Now, if you're from a place like my hometown, a small rural farming town, 
There isn't an easily accessible public venue with desktop computers, so you have to find a ride to the nearest social services office, maybe 30 miles away. When you get there, you have to walk through metal detectors with two security guards, past a long table of scattered paper forms, into the main waiting room. It's loud, and there's a long line leading to that service counter. When you get to the front of it, you're met with a thick. Clouded sheet of bulletproof glass, separating you from someone who could finally help. That has been the system in America for many communities like mine. So it's no wonder that 14 million Americans aren't enrolled in child and food nutrition programs, or that six million are missing healthcare benefits. Technology has changed almost every aspect of our lives. It's made things faster, more efficient, automatic. We need to do the same for people seeking benefits. I work for an organization called Code for America. We deploy human-centered technology, the kind that respects you from the start, meets you where you are, provides an easy, positive experience. And our research has shown there are four factors we need to overcome. First, we know that far more people have access to the internet on their phone than a desktop computer, so applications. Should be online and mobile friendly. Second, lots of people are falling off because the process is complicated, so applications need to be simple and easy to use. Third, we know that people who are eligible for one program, like food assistance, are pretty likely to be eligible for another, like healthcare. So let's combine processes where we can. And finally. We know there are unseen heroes in government, caseworkers, social workers on the front lines navigating old systems. We can equip them with the data and tools to streamline their efforts. California's food assistance used to look like 183 questions, 51 pages of screens, available only by desktop computer. We took that application and redesigned it. This is Get Cal Fresh, a mobile-first application available 24 hours a day in multiple languages with chat support. <laughs> California's food assistance application went from one of the most complex in the nation to being recognized as one of the easiest application experiences of any state. For 10 years, we had been working with multiple states on projects just like that, showing the importance and potential of digital delivery of benefits. And that's when the pandemic hit in West Valley, Utah. San Antonio, Texas, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Parking lots filled with families waiting for food. America could finally see what we had been seeing for a decade: the growing number of people in poverty and communities left out as a result of failing systems. Our phones started ringing. From Washington to Maryland, we helped states distribute $600 million in benefits to kids in school lunch programs. Louisiana shared, used our best practices tools in notifying people. They proactively sent out more than 40 million texts to residents on how to access critical services. And in Minnesota, we developed an all-in-one application for nine different safety net benefits that can be completed in less than 14 minutes.
Nearly 200,000 people immediately applied in the first six months. And for the first time ever, Minnesota's system integrated to reach all sovereign tribal nation members. That's what is possible, and this is the moment to keep going, redesigning our safety net for a new time and a new age, and we can do it all across the country as governments reset. Over the next seven years, we will partner to redesign systems to unlock $30 billion in benefits for 13 million eligible people in at least 15 states. We will bring data scientists and engineers, technologists and researchers together, sitting side by side with government teams. And our Safety Net Innovation Lab will improve upon and share best practices so that every government can benefit. Because at the heart of our audacious goal is to show the world what's possible when we use the best tools we have today, human-centered technology and government, so that families aren't waiting in parking lots for resources, or kids growing up like my dad, aren't searching for food by whatever means possible, then, then we will see the true potential of every kid. And that's the calling of this moment, to redesign our systems, to see people, all people. Thank you. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, TED Tech listeners, we're supported by our friends at Working Smarter, a new podcast from Dropbox exploring the exciting potential of AI in the workplace. Working Smarter talks with founders, researchers, and engineers about the things they're building and the problems they're solving with the help of the latest AI tools. Tools that can save them time, improve collaboration, and create more space for the work that matters most. On Working Smarter, hear practical discussions about what AI can do so that you can work smarter, too. Listen to Working Smarter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit workingsmarter.ai. Amanda Renteria said, we can't solve what we can't see. Often, one reason why we can't see a problem is because it's hidden by design and kept invisible by the systems all around us. When solutions miss the mark, it's because they are frequently designed by people who likely haven't experienced the problem firsthand. Many of us are far removed from the daily struggle of those who are living at the margins of society. Thus, we have borne witness to too much tech being built for people by people who have starkly different lived experiences. Take government payments. The ways that most people interact with their local, state, or federal governments is via a dizzying array of forms, documents, and websites. For the great many people who end up owing money to the government, whether because of parole payments, utility bills, parking tickets, etc., this paperwork can quickly snowball and become a nightmare 
especially once you've fallen behind on your payments. A lot of governments have very punitive perspectives. I once met with someone who said at a um, parking agency where they said, why can't we just boot people the day they miss a payment? And so there's very much a belief for some people that the best way to handle government debt is to punish people. That, And as soon as that punishment happens, then they are more likely to pay. Phaedra Ellis-Lampkins is the co-founder of Promise, an organization that is using tech to fix this horribly broken process and system for those who owe money to the government. Fundamentally, we believe that if someone doesn't make a payment, it's because they don't have the money and the structure doesn't work. If you don't pay by this day, here is the consequence. We think that is wrong and it doesn't make sense from a data perspective. We have a repayment rate of 93%. The reason we have a repayment rate and we mostly work with people who haven't been paying in the past is because we make it easy and efficient and beautiful for people to be able to pay. An organization like Promise allows the user to be seen as a human, not a number, which improves outcomes on both sides of the equation. And still, solving government payment issues remains a multi-billion dollar market opportunity, not just a philanthropic one. Some governments say, if you can't afford to make a payment, you have to prove you're poor. And it takes more work to prove you're poor and you still have to pay off the full debt. When you can't afford to pay a bill, they want you to submit your taxes. They want you to answer questions. They want you to take off a day off work and come into the office. That's a fundamentally broken system. And so the biggest thing we work on is making it easier for people to access services they deserve and also be able to pay off debt. But this only works when those who make the programs, the software, and the systems are designed by people who actually understand who it is they are serving. I think the reason this issue hasn't been resolved before is frankly because technology isn't being designed by people who understand what it's like to have your water shut off or lose your driver's license. And so, you know, there is a lot of technology for for people who understand how hard it is to get out of the club and not be able to find a taxi or not to find someone to walk your dog or pick up your dry cleaning. And so we need more people who understand what these problems are like, who want dignity and respect and want beautiful technology. Most of our peers in this work are owned by private equity companies. And so they think punitive or they don't think in beautiful design for our folks. I had an example where I was talking to an engineer about taking payments. And I said, we should do this in the morning. And he said, why does it matter? And I said, because people's money is gone by the end of the day. And he said it's, he couldn't believe that there was a world in which someone got paid and their money was gone the day they got paid. And so it made me realize that can't be who's building technology. It has to be people who understand it's not because someone did something wrong. It's because they have $12 of bills and $10 in the bank. And so if we don't build systems that recognize the inherent dignity and goodness in folks, then we will not have technology that we can all be proud of. That's Phaedra Ellis-Lampkins of Promise Pay. You can hear Phaedra banging her hand on the table at the end there. That kind of righteous indignation is the energy all tech should be bringing to fixing these problems that are hidden in plain sight all around us. TED Tech is part of the TED Audio Collective, and is produced by TED in partnership with Transmitter Media. Our editor is Sammy Case, and the show is fact-checked by TED. I'm Sherelle Dorsey. Let's keep digging into the future. Join me next week for more. You're growing a business, and you can't afford to slow down. 
If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Support for the show comes from Brooks Running. I'm so excited because I have been a runner, gosh, my entire adult life. And for as long as I can remember, I have run with Brooks Running Shoes. Now I'm running with a pair of Ghost 16s from Brooks. Incredibly lightweight shoes that have really soft cushioning. It feels just right when I'm hitting my running trail that's just out behind my house. You now can take your daily run in the better than ever Ghost 16. You can visit brooksrunning.com to learn more.